Orleans and broadcasting around the world at whivfm.org. This is Health is a Human Right radio show. Protecting people like yourself I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth Tra-la-la-la A public service announcement with guitar. Hey ho, let's go. This is 12.3 WHIV LPFM. You are listening to Noel Matters. This is Health is a Human Right. Wanted to say hello to Lynn and Sharapa for another great two hours of Noel Americana music. Today is a, another very special episode of Noel Matters Health is, uh, Health is a Human Right. I forgot the name of our show, AJ. <laughs> as long as you get the date. That's right. The, the date's right, right, right. Yeah, time. that's right. This, uh, AJ, uh, you're listening to AJ Strong, uh, who is the host of uh, Health is a Human Right with me on Mondays. Second Monday. <laughs> Second Monday of every month. And also with us today is the great Bobby Fleeser, who is appears on WHIV pretty regularly, award-winning uh, historian yep. with a focus on LGBT. You're doing great. Uh, yeah. LGBT uh, history. So Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. I, actually, let's just start at the top of the hour. I know that the two of you guys have a couple things to, to promote. AJ, do you want to quickly promote your event? Yeah, I do. This Thursday, again, we're doing our monthly gig, Queerly Beloved, at the Always Lounge, 10 p.m. It's this Thursday or the this this Thursday? Okay, come uh, no the following. Yeah, <laughs> I was just giving you a hard time. <laughs> uh, that's what I get. Yeah, I get what goes around comes <laughs> around. <karma>. Huh? <laughs> um, I'm like, I think it's the following. It's, yeah, it is. It's Thursday the nineteenth. That's our little queer event that we're doing. Thank at you, the Always much. Lounge. I, I I I am going to gander guests and just possibly put a little damper in things that that may be canceled. Mm, don't say that. I know. That's what I'm saying. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely I talk will about be it. there. All right. Mm. Well, I'm just that there may be dance d- party it, for it, one. Italy, just the whole country of Italy just got locked down. I know. Okay. So, All right. yeah. <laughs> so, but we will talk about coronavirus. I'm sure that in the second we hour, Bell and I were just talking about that this morning about when do we pull the plug on events? That's mm. that. So definitely something to, to check. I'm noticing that there's those little insects all over the place. I'm not sure what to make of it. Um, no, they're not real. They, yes. yes. Inform our yeah, listeners. They yes, can't they. see that you just took one off that was stuck uh, by a suction cup. That's right. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, these are these are mock insects. <laughs> mock six. This is uh, a reptile. Or a reptile. Dude, I'm like, I literally was 15 minutes ago, I was sitting in front of a patient, okay, like, and running over here. So I, I need a little leeway. Give me, mm-hmm. let me get into my routine here, and then you okay. can make fun of me. Uh, no, you can make fun of me now. Uh, so this, so next Thursday at the, at the Always Lounge. Always Lounge. 10 p.m. 
And what's it called again? It's the Queerly, Queerly Beloved. Queerly Beloved. Mm-hmm. There's a little drag and burlesque show happening and then a dance party to awesome. follow. Awesome. Yay. DJed by doing... Siren. DJ Siren. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Mm-hmm. Bobby? Hi. Hello. Oh, you want me to plug my event? Yeah. Uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. on the second floor of the Presbyterian in Jackson Square, we're doing a queer history panel discussion. It's free and open to the public, and it's called Celebration and Change in LGBTQ Plus New Orleans. Um, and it's about five, uh, essentially, we're featuring five voices, uh, legendary local LGBT leaders who are going to explore and discuss how the city, with all of its celebrated queer traditions, and also it's, it's got a celebration of uh, tradition of political action, how all of that gumbo played a part in changing attitudes and policies towards queer folk in New Orleans. Um, and I'm really excited about the voices that we're going to be featuring on this panel. So these are individuals who um, don't all look like me or Pete Buttigieg. This is not all cisgender gay white men, which is what happens when oftentimes when you have these kind of queer history panel discussions. I've been on several of them where they talk about diversity and you look around and it's all white guys. Right, it's right. all gay white guys. Right, right. So um, we ha- we're featuring Michael Fish Hickerson, who was the first a uh, black queen of the gay Mardi group Gras crew of Amon Ra, and who broke a lot of color barriers within the queer tradition of gay carnival. He's a legend, and I'm really excited that he's there. There is uh, a gentleman on the panel named Larry Bagneris, uh, who's a black New Orleanian, who is a former uh, executive director of the New Orleans Human Relations Commission, and he's also a legendary gay rights and civil rights activist. So he was part of the national board of the first and second national gay and lesbian marches on Washington. Um, alongside Larry will also be a person who is going to be joining us here today on this show. Right. Uh, a celebrated, another guest yeah, celebrated trans activist named Courtney Sharp. Courtney actually worked with Larry in the late 1990s to pass uh, local anti-discrimination uh, legislation protecting trans folk in New Orleans. And they're all going to be on this panel together to tell these incredible stories that many people haven't heard of right. for whatever reason. These are incredible stories of resilience, persistence, firsthand accounts of what went down and how it happened right. um, in the queer culture of New Orleans. So I'm really excited to and feature this them. this is the first time that the that this is being sponsored, like any sort of yeah, it's queer-specific? Um, it's the first uh, educational program that's being uh, sponsored um, in tandem with this exhibition at the Presbyter called there Grand Illusions, which right. is the gay carnival exhibition. Got it. Um, and when this that exhibition premiered last summer uh, to great acclaim, um, it occurred to me and to many that the second floor of the Presbyter was about to become the, the gayest and queerest place in town. I mean, it's just so glittery and so fabulous. Right. Is um, it? It is. It's a fantastic <laughs> exhibition. I, it's up till December, actually. I recommend people go see it. Oh, that uh, sounds I, fun. <laughs> um, if you don't know about uh, gay carnival and the, and the tradition of it. But uh, it occurred to me It occurred to me and a, a couple others that um, we should make use of this space and use this as an opportunity to invite more people and more voices to the table. And so I, I'm proud that the State Museum and also the Friends of Cabildo uh, right. sponsored and agreed to host this. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, great. And more information can be found at? Um, you could go to the Louisiana State Museum website. You can go to my Facebook, Robert Fiesler. Um, right. You can go to my Twitter, at Word Bobby. Right. 
Good. All right. Awesome. 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 Yeah. All right. Well, I know we have a couple things to talk about. I know that um, uh, your your guest uh, Bobby is going to be coming in, and that was uh, and what was her name again? I'm sorry. Courtney. Courtney. Courtney Sharp. Yep. Will be joining us in a bit. Uh, however, today was going to uh, we were going to talk to AJ because something very significant happened in in AJ's life uh, uh, over the course. Something that AJ and I have been talking about. How long we've we been doing the show together? Three years? Two years? I know it was when we. It's been at least two years. Right. I know. It hasn't been three, has it? It was when, I remember we did, first did it when Ben was having his uh, his last uh, snake oil. Remember when I was yeah, like, hey. Was, yeah, it was it a was, couple years ago. It was a couple years ago. Yeah, but the first time that you had interviewed me. Was right. The situa- the my experience that I had had after I got into that car wreck. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was, and and you actually helped kind of. So so let's take a quick step back for for those that 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 know AJ or don't know AJ. AJ is a, is a trans male, um, and came on to moved to New Orleans about five years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, AJ and I immediately became uh, very very good friends uh, uh, for many many reasons. One is because he's patient and tolerates me, uh, uh, but more better is he's uh, about as cool as they come. So it's really not that bad. <laughs> really, I'm 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 okay. Okay for <laughs> yeah, as far as like cis dudes go, right? Yeah, okay. like, <laughs> hetero cis dudes, you're you're doing pretty well. All right, Phew. all right. So uh, AJ had a AJ came on uh, when we were still in our old studios and really told a very harrowing story of um, of, of a very terrible car accident that he was in, um, and uh, and and how people like me, despite me being uh, a seasoned HIV doctor uh, and working within the LGBT community pretty pretty much my whole career. Uh, one of the things that never occurred to me that you really opened up my eyes and I share with people is that um, usually uh, if we were seeing somebody who was trans or I didn't realize that they were trans until I walked in the room, I would oftentimes use their, their the name on their, their, their birth name. Rather than, mm. you know, if they hadn't had their, their, their name changed or their gender marker changed. And it, it was just a very cold, you, and like me, and this was until a couple of years ago, like, and I'm like, I'd be like, yo, dude, I'm the most woke person you ever met, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of stuff, you know? And I was like, I was still walking into rooms, you know, at Charity Hospital, just boom, 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 walking in, opening the door, hello, Mr. Jones, and you know, and, and, and this is in the ICU or this is in the hospital place mm-hmm. where somebody is incredibly vulnerable. And that was one of many experiences that AJ had had when he was in the hospital. I don't mean to speak on your behalf. It was really just kind of what I got from it. Yeah, that was exactly. And my struggle with um, just feeling almost guilty for complaining about it because on one hand, my the moment they pulled me out of that car wreck and they grabbed a hold of my wallet and pulled my ID out, they immediate like my identity as as i knew it just evaporated oh, i just my. became my previous self by my previous name and gender so that was one part of it that was difficult but also on the other hand those people saved my life right um mm-hmm. Right, but I, I think I think you even told me once. I can't remember if it was on air or if it was in a private conversation that it was like like when they were approaching you because you have a very very male outward appearing. If people don't know that you're trans, I think um, it, uh, you know. I anyway, so you that there was one uh, they were treating you 
one way, and then once they had seen your ID and saw your gender marker, that the attitude just kind of switched. Did I, do I remember that incorrectly? Yeah, or? I mean, so at that time, this was in 2012, and so I hadn't started medically transitioning yet. Right. However, I was not the m- most feminine sure. of right. women, if right. you will. D- dudes are... Exactly. <laughs> um, a lot of people were confused about my gender all the time. I got, as a lesbian identified individual, I got called sir all the time. Right. I got kicked out of restrooms. I, there was oh, confusion yeah, all the time. Right. I didn't... It was annoying at best, but honestly, when people would mistake me for um, male inside, I was like, yes, this is what I'm going for. So, um, yeah, there were people that would come into my room, my hospital room, and maybe perceive me as male, but then they would pull up my chart and then instantly the vibe would change, you know? Mm. Um, but yeah, it was that struggle between these, these people helping me and just doing their job, right? trying to, you know, change my wound dressings and making sure that I had my meds and all of that stuff, which I was very grateful for. And then also they were calling me she and her and referring to me by my previous name. And it just adds a layer of difficulty, we'll say. Did you bring up that dynamic to them or to the hospital? Or how would one do so? I didn't. Because, as Mark Allen said, you're in a really vulnerable position. Mm. Um, I, at the time, was living in Minnesota. And this was taking place in Missouri. I had preconceived notions about the south and how i would be treated anyway Mm -hmm. it turned out that they didn't treat me anyway just because i was further south they actually let my partner come into the icu and spend the night with me in there um which was something i was sort of worried about whether or not um this was this was like pre- marriage equality and Mm, all of that. So there is this fear that if something terrible happened to you, the person that you loved and was living your life with would not be allowed to be in the hospital with you, especially in the ICU. And they didn't do that to us there. Um, They were perceiving me and treating me as a female bodied person. And then my partner who was also a female bodied person was allowed to be there. And I greatly appreciated that. So it was like, there were things that were happening that I was very grateful for. And I just didn't want to rock the boat. And I didn't have the wherewithal to advocate for myself anyways, because I was, they were giving me so much pain medication that I I at one point pulled my partner close to me and told her that they were trying to turn me into a horse. So I wasn't really in a state of mind to be advocating for myself anyway. Morphine will do that. Mm. Yes. (laughs) 
Um, hey, on real quickly. If, yeah, you, yeah. if you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is Nolan Matters, Health is a Human Right. I am your co-host uh, today, Mark Allendary. With me is always the great AJ Strong, and we're going to hear a continuation of AJ's amazing story because there is a recent uh, development as of last week. And also with us is Bobby Fiesler, who is the great award-winning author of... Tinderbox. Tinderbox. The untold story of the upstairs lounge fire and the rise of gay liberation. It's like the longest <laughs> subtitle. I like I'm out of breath right now. <laughs> uh, Bobby's got one of the probably one of the best accounts of the of the upstairs lounge and highly recommend they can find it where they can find it at Octavia Books. Those are my people an indie books bookshop and I highly recommend them. They could also find it um, at Faulkner House Bookstore Pirates Alley. Right on. Excellent. Sorry, AJ. That's a cool spot, too. Yeah. Love that little place. Yeah. 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 So that was, that's how we started. Right. Talking about that. Then on to my journey here in New Orleans with the medical stuff. It just, I felt like I was hitting a wall around every corner. Well, that's because the medical system in Louisiana is really quite excellent and and uh and cares for people on medicaid and and uh really is focused it's very people centered <laughs> I, I try to be at least <laughs> okay at least it's easy for me to be a doctor in this city because the bar is so low <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oops i got just got yeah. pulled out sorry <laughs> that was my cue to shut up go ahead <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, I I recently was told I had an uh, what do you call it? A consultation with a surgeon, and he told me your health insurance is actually the worst, and you should consider getting a job oh, at yeah, Starbucks you told me that. because their insurance is now covering trans health care. And I and I chuckled. I thought he was joking. Right. And he was like, "No, I'm. You should really consider getting a job at Starbucks." Oh did you think God. about it for a minute? I totally did. I, <laughs> I messaged my buddy, who's a manager at Starbucks, and uh-huh. I was like, "Hey, what's the deal with this?" Um, but always, you know, the answer is, "Well, I have great health care," um, because that person is a cis person. Sure. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay. Right, moving Most beyond of the that, rules that apply right, for right. you don't apply for me. So anyway, um, last month when we were on the show, we were talking about this the potential for me to get a hysterectomy. This is something I had been pursuing for 18 months. It was denied three times by my insurance company for three different reasons. So that surgeon was not wrong. Right. <laughs> mm. Um. First reason um, was because uh, my gender marker has was changed to male, and so according to the insurance company, men don't need hysterectomies. I think what happened, it just came across their desk, and they saw it and thought, surely this is a mistake. Sure, I don't know. Right. I think that's what happened. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, do you want to just take a maybe just take a quick step back uh, mm-hmm. and then just I do. just yeah, yeah, like you know, the, uh, take us just through a bit of what got us here to this point and about name change and gender marker and and how that plays a role with everything. Sure. So, 
um, as a trans person, one of the things that you maybe would like to do is have your name changed legally and the gender marker changed so that it matches, so everything matches. Um, my biggest motivation in doing that was because I travel a lot between here and Minnesota and I drive and I had this overwhelming fear of being pulled over. Of course, I am a very cautious driver. My grandma's watching, so. Is she? Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm yeah. a very cautious driver. Hi, grandma. <laughs> you can't see me, but uh, I could see the back of your, the phone case that you're in right now. Yep. <laughs> um, but I had this overwhelming fear of being pulled over for whatever reason and then having the police look at my ID and then have just having right, things just, not, right, of you course. know, I was terrified of that. Being so, pulled over by the police in 2020 is not necessarily the yeah. safest. Uh, right. Right. Well, this is 2013. Got it. When I had my name changed um, and then I started pursuing my gender marker change. And also like when you go to the doctor and all, all of the things, you know, it's, it, things need to match. They need to match not just for your mind. They need to match on paper for everyone else, for you to get the services that you need or for you to just be live your life and have people leave you alone. Things need to match. Right. Right. So in doing that, I maybe did myself a disservice when I started pursuing a hysterectomy because then that was a big deal when it was like, well, this man... Has, wants a hysterectomy. Right. Men don't have ovaries. Blah blah blah. So that's what got. That's what happened initially when the paperwork was submitted. Okay. Then we got over that, and the paperwork was resubmitted. I understand what my surgeon was trying to do at the time. They went in to the computers and they changed my gender marker back to female. Without my consent, which bothered me, but I understood what they were trying to do. They resubmitted my paperwork saying, this female has a history of painful periods and all this kind of stuff. I was talking about this earlier. I did a Facebook Live video on it earlier because what I was saying is that stuff is true. I did have a history of painful menstruation and irregular periods and all the things. A lot of women do. Most women do. But you don't go to the doctor for it. You just endure because you're told that this is your lot in life and you you just deal with it. So the paperwork was submitted again and denied because, and the reason this time was that you don't have a history of this. You don't have a medical history saying proving that you have been experiencing these things. Well, I don't know what to say about that. You know, I never went to the doctor for it. It's something well, that I, I just mean, that, dealt th- with. That's just another great example of how the medical system looks for things to to deny you on. And right. that that's that's and what you were saying like you needed everything to match up just to live in our society. Right. What I was interpreting that as is that's just another way that the healthcare system finds ways to deny you your services. So, so the whole purpose of a medical insurance company is that you give them your money Mm-hmm. And they don't give you anything in return. That's sure. that's the business model. That's right, right, right. that's how it works. And so, well, especially if you're on Medicaid, especially if you're on Medicaid, you're not giving them any money. And especially if you're on Medicaid and you're a trans person looking for trans care. Sure. That is like with with all due respect, and and you know I love you, but on the 
societal scale of stuff that people that, that do Medicaid. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And I hate that. And I hate that, that that's a truth that I have to say, but it, it pains me to, to have to acknowledge that. Yeah. Well, and that became apparent then after the third time it was submitted through a different office. So the first office, they sort of just gave up. They stopped replying to my calls and just, they just weren't responding anymore. So I gave up. So this is a GYN and they said, we tried. They didn't, they didn't even say that. They didn't even say that. They, they totally, just they gave responding. you the Heisman, right? They yeah, just yeah. were like, just don't respond. Okay. I gave up. About a year went by. Then I started having issues because of atrophy and all of that. So right. so then I went to go see my general can, can practitioner. Can I explain that real quickly? So because yeah. you're on you're on hormones that counteract estrogen, essentially the ovaries are just starting to not become functional and probably in that process there's probably more pain discomfort and when this menses cycle comes around there's probably a fair amount of discomfort that goes along with that. Yeah, well, so the ovarian cycle had shut had completely shut down. So I was not having a period not since like 2013 which is great <laughs> um but uh so what happens with the atrophy is that things start to like kind of sh- like shrink up um and the way it was explained to me is that the, um because you're your organs are like attached to the inside walls of your abdomen with these little ligaments. So as they shrink down, it starts to pull sure. on it. And yeah, it hurts. Right. Also, there was some bleeding and whatnot. So um, this had been going on for a few months. I, w- I didn't know what to do about it. Um, I went to the general practitioner. She said, oh, we have to get you a hysterectomy. And I was like, <laughs> it's what I've been trying to do. So you look like you're about to curse. You held back. I did. Yeah, <laughs> it was, yeah I could tell the f. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw the 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 the, the mouthing of yeah. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so she sent me to a different doctor. Can I say that doctor's name? Sure. Because I love her, Doctor okay. Shank, Doctor Jessica Shank through Tulane. Right. Do you know her? I I think I do. She's I great. Think I do. I think I I think I re- saw her as I think I knew her as a resident. Yeah. I think. She's awesome. I went to go have a consultation with her, and she basically was like, "We're getting this thing done. I don't care what I have to do. This See, is happening." Right on. That's what that's what she needed. Somebody who's on your side. Yeah, but but I had heard that before, so I told my partner Bella. I was like, "Until I am on that operating table, I'm not going to get my <laughs> hopes up." And it was denied still a third time through Doctor Shank's office, and this time it was denied because it's a robotic procedure. So there is what exactly what you're saying. It's like any reason sure. to, to say no, right? Um, Hold I, on. It, 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 explain, before you do that, let me just do a quick station. Mm-hmm. If you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is Health is a Human Right and All Matters. My name is Mark Gallandary. With me, co-host is AJ Strong, uh, who's telling us uh, his very compelling story uh, 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 for trying to get a procedure that should not be problematic and is done regularly. Uh, but because AJ is a trans man, was having difficulty getting a uh, a hysterectomy. And then also with us is Bobby Fiesler, who has his guest uh, with him. Do you want to introduce yourself real quickly? Sure. I'm Courtney Sharp. Courtney Sharp. And we'll be, we'll be looping you into the conversation in just a second. <laughs> and uh, Bobby's got a great book. Uh, uh, he's an award-winning uh, queer historian. The name of his most recent book is Tenderbox. Go ahead. Yeah, of course. I'm always going to set you the up to do it. The untold story of the upstairs lounge fire and the rise of gay liberation. 
There we go. <laughs> um, all right, AJ. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's fast forward. Okay, it was. Hold on. You know, what's a robotic procedure? Laparoscopic. You know, they use the robots. They go okay. in. Yeah. So they were. So they were saying because because it was a robotic procedure, they weren't going to cover it. Um, when I spoke to Dr. Shank, she said this is ridiculous because it doesn't. It costs the same amount, right? Whether As opposed, I, but you know what would have happened if they said, "Oh no, uh, you know the doctor is going to do it." You know, I, I guess I could say the old-fashioned way sure. at this point, right? With <laughs> their hands, with their hands, right? They would have been like, "No, denied. It needs to be robotic procedure." Precisely. <laughs> You don't think that's that is yeah. like that is the uh, yeah, yeah. that that is the what is it it's, what tw- catch twenty two that's the thank you I was, I was yeah. trying to find that that's the catch twenty two of our healthcare system. So then the super confusing part to me was okay he- how we're going to combat this is we need you to provide letters of recommendation from a therapist <laughs> saying that you are mentally sound to make this decision for yourself and from your general practitioner saying that you know you you've been cleared to have this surgery. Um, and what that has to do with robots, I don't know. <laughs> but so that's well, the robot may need some some reading while uh, the robot was doing its procedure, yeah, yeah. right? <laughs> so then, you know, I'm on the wild goose chase to hunt, you know, get a letter from my therapist and a letter from my um, general practitioner and all of this stuff proving that I'm of sound mind and body to do this, which irritated me to no end. I've already had to do this for all of the other things. Um, and I had some of those old letters, but those were, I needed new ones, right. you know? Um, and it, it just really bothered me. You know, my younger sister is having hysterectomy and she didn't have to provide any letters of recommendation. <laughs> they were just like, Oh, you have painful periods stamp. We're doing this, you know? <laughs> so whatever, I know what's going on here. So, I do. I jump through all the flaming hoops they asked me to, to f- jump through, but here's the kicker: it was Mardi Gras, so I wasn't getting answers from people. I was emailing and calling and going through the patient portal and right. like doing yeah. all the things I had to do, and um, I wasn't getting a reply. I called down to Crescent Care and asked to speak with my doctor's nurse, and they said, "Oh well." Um, you know, Dr. Butler's actually on vacation because it's Mardi Gras. Nobody's working. I was like, well, you're there answering the phone. (laughs) So so somebody's working. But at any rate, um, what ended up happening was the day before I was supposed to have this surgery, Dr. Shank called me. She said, um, you know, I hate to tell you this, but your paperwork, even though you sent it in last week, is just now being processed today because it was Mardi Gras. So this is the day after Mardi Gras. This is 26th. Surgery is supposed to be 27th. <laughs> she said, technically, they have 24 hours to respond with a, an, an approval or a denial. So we just have to wait and see what happens. So let's just act as if you do everything you're supposed to do tonight. Start fasting at midnight. Drink this disgusting pre-surgery carb drink that we give everyone. You know, get up in the morning and pack your bag and just prepare, just act as if, and then I'll let you know. But just know that the, um, what do you call him, the medical director might still deny this, even if you are down here at Tulane and you've done the whole intake process and you're ready to go. They still might say no. They say that's got to be a major mind F, right? Yeah, I was just like, 
That's, I mean, okay. like, wh- where do they say no? I mean, like, can they still, like, the, the robot has made its first incision and, uh, and the medical director says no, and they're like, all right, you're done. You know, like, yeah. where, where did they draw that line? I mean, I, that's. I mean, I, it was, I was supposed to come and do the intake, and she told me, if anyone gives you any trouble about it because it hasn't been approved yet, you just tell them that I told you to come down and start doing all the paperwork and whatever. Okay. Um, so I, didn't I didn't I barely slept that night because I didn't know what was going to be happening in the morning. Sure. Um, I had I want I had to prepare myself both to go into surgery and both to be denied a fourth time and feel that letdown and frustration. Sure, and anger sure. That's what I'm saying. Again. That must yeah. that just must have been a real mind f again. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and on top of it all, Bella was really, really sick. Yeah, I, she texted me. Yeah, I was like, I was, you know, I was trying to, I was trying to get her a doctor's appointment. Yeah, because I wasn't. Yeah. I, you know, she was super, super sick, and right. so she couldn't come with me. Right. So I went down there by myself, and just, you know, sitting there waiting to figure out what was going on. But anyways, what ended up happening? So here's when the story takes a turn. Okay. Was at seven thirty in the morning. I got a call um, from someone in Doctor Shank's office, the person who handles all the paperwork and whatnot. And uh, I answered. I was dead Were asleep. You, oh, okay. So you weren't ready to be like. I had my alarm set for eight. Okay. Because I had to. I was supposed to be there at ten, right? Seven thirty. My phone rings. I answer it. I hear a voice. Uh, AJ, are you asleep? Of course, I lie. No, no, I'm up. <laughs> Again, why do we do that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we embarrassed that we're sleeping? Like, we don't want to make somebody feel bad they woke us up. I don't know why that's the natural I reaction. I think that's my Cut thing. It. I don't okay. want to make anyone feel bad. Got it. And we, st- like... Yeah. It, okay, that's a weird instinct. Clearly, I'm sleeping because <laughs> yeah. I'm like, hello. Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> so, anyway, she says, um, I have approval here. I have an approval for you. So... Got to be down there by 10, ready to go. Right. So I'm like, okay. So I get up, pack my bag, say bye to Bella, go down there. And then the whole thing happened. It was so surreal, though, because I couldn't, I really couldn't allow myself to prepare for it. Sure. I didn't have enough time. Right, right, right. So I'm sitting in the room, you know, like with the paper gown, the paper gown on and right. just. They're like sticking tubes into me and everything. And so you, oh, it's so it's a, yeah. So it's really happening, then, yeah, right? Yeah. So where did they actually like deliver anesthesia, or did they do it? Wait, so they rolled you into the. Uh, uh, well, they give you that shot first right. that they say, and it tastes like band aids. You know. I don't. Yeah. I don't you know. They yeah. put the IV in. I've got two 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 people looking at me like, don't you know? And I'm like, I I don't. No, they put the IV in, right. and they're asking you all these questions and it's happening so fast there's like a team of people right 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 right. um and they say okay i'm gonna give you something now it's gonna make you feel very relaxed and they put it oh that's the dipper van tastes like band-aids did it it felt like so that happened to me like when i went to get my colonoscopy it felt like like my consciousness was being removed from like the back of my skull it's like you know those like plastic um you know, transparent things that you put up in a window and like, it's, you know how, when you peel it off, that's what, that's what, and it scared me. You know, when I woke up, I was like, wait a second, I'm, I'm still awake. And they're like, no, 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 we already had the procedure. It was like, I, my last thought before I went to sleep was exactly the same thought 
when I woke back up again, it was just a dipper van is weird. That's that's yeah. And and I I've already I had top surgery and I had two reconstructive shoulder surgeries, so I was very familiar with what was right, about right, to happen. Got it. Okay, you knew. So he says we're gonna give you this stuff. It's gonna make you feel very relaxed. And I said, okay, I apologize for anything weird I say. <laughs> And then I remember them wheeling me down the hallway, oh, really? going wow. into the operating room. Looks like you're in an alien spaceship landing station. Right. And then Dr. Shank like pops into view and she's like, hey, AJ, I'm going to put this mask on you now. And when you wake up, it'll all be over. And I said, OK, good night. And then that was it. And then, and, then, I, and then I woke up. And you woke up, huh? And the robot did the surgery? Well, she controls the robot from yes. the other side of the room. But yeah. yes, it was a robotic surgery. That's amazing. And with small incisions? You have five incisions. Wow, mm-hmm. that's just, that's really what a what yeah. a. And so you. Woke- but what I really wanted to say was, I had a really good experience, and I feel like historically my medical experiences have been very difficult and have left me emotionally scarred. This one has only left me physically <laughs> scarred. <laughs> Look at that. I did have a really good. They, the people at Tulane were everyone was really nice to me. Nobody was acting weird. Even the people who had to like come in and be like all up in my business, you know, like I have this triumphant beard. Yes. And at one point the woman came in, okay, we got to deal with this catheter situation. And she goes to grab the blanket. And I was like, wait, wait. And she was like, what? And I was like, you know, I'm a trans man, right? She was like, yeah. I was like, all right. I just didn't want you to have any unexpected you know visuals pull the blanket back right, you're right, like right, oh my right. god the robot cut it off what right. happened <laughs> you know so <laughs> but everybody was very cool and everyone and- was perfect that's, that's that's good to hear that Tulane uh was uh was up to the task that's, that's they were so nice to me that's great to hear yeah i felt everybody was just treated me like I was an actual human. Right. That's amazing. Again, like I said, the bar is so low. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's why it's easy to be a doctor in this uh, <laughs> in this community at sometimes. Um, no complications? None. Yeah. And then how about recovery? I'm uh, day 11 post-op, uh-huh. starting to feel more human. Right. Yeah. It was first a, couple days were... First couple days were great, and I thought, oh, this is fantastic. I made a Facebook Live video. I feel kind of dumb for doing it now, but I was like, this is nothing compared to the shoulder surgery I had. The very next day, I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is not okay. Did you go back up and didn't do an update? I just did a little typing, a little typing, a little update. Right, and I was like, like mm, everything I said yesterday, just disregard. Because <laughs> um, today is hell on earth. But um, yeah, I'm feeling better now. I'm just only now taking Tylenol and Ibuprofen. That's great. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. And uh, well, congratulations. That was a. Uh, yeah, that is a harrowing yes. story. I feel pretty good about it. Um, I am, uh, I am super happy. So congratulations. Thank you. That is, uh, last month we didn't know where things were going to go. And, and, uh, and I get a, I get a text message. I'm, I'm abroad and I get a text message from Bill saying I'm sick and AJ's getting a hysterectomy. And I was like, whoa. All right. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I can't be sick. (laughs) Yeah. I feel so spoiled. It was the most amazing, mind blowing story. And I just walked into the happy ending. Yeah. (laughs) There was a lot leading up to it. Yeah. Um, so and more, more to come, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. But, um, have we, do we have a, uh, um, maybe a new slight lease on how we look at the medical establishment in, uh, with, with the medical, I, I know I, that it's been overwhelmingly disappointing. 
But okay, so I I think things have improved even in the last five years since I've been here, because I came from California where I didn't have an issue really getting medical services there once I got into the system. There was a huge waiting list. But once I got into the system, it was just like going to the doctor. The doctor that I had out there, he specialized in trans healthcare. So no question left unanswered. He knew everything about everything and it when it was great. And I moved here and I had a really hard time finding a doctor who could even see me and knew what I was talking about. And then once I found someone... I had a hell of a time trying to find any pharmacy that would fill my testosterone prescription. So in five years, things have changed a lot, I think, um, for sure. Also, the experience that I had was as a white person. So I think, I, I think things are better for trans people who are white. Do you think trans men more so than trans women? Um, I don't know. Because I mean, we talked about that once before. I no, think okay. probably for trans women it's a lot harder. Right. And I think there's this, hmm, I don't know. I can't because I'm not a trans woman, so I right. can't speak to that experience. I'm also not a person of color, but right. I know that everything is easier as a white person. So I can only imagine that going into this as a person who is now perceived as a white man and when i ask for something um i'm not met with any sort of confrontation about it you know i asked for stronger pain medication because they weren't going to give me they were just going to give me the tylenol ibuprofen gabapentin and I was experiencing what I felt was a lot more pain than that. And so, and I asked for stronger pain medication and they gave it to me. I don't know if I were a person of color or if I were a trans woman, if I were a trans woman of color, if that request would be granted quite so easily. I don't know. I'm not saying it would or it wouldn't. I just know that. Given the history of our country yeah. and our society, yes. I think it's a fair conclusion to make. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, can I use this opportunity to segue to a trans woman who's yes. sitting in the room? <laughs> I'm gonna give uh, up my seat here. No, no, AJ, you're. Or, or, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. okay. We're okay, we're sure. do, we're playing a little. Yeah, yeah. This is your show, dude. Oh. <laughs> um, hi. How are you? Speaking the microphone. I'm doing fine. How uh, are you? I'm doing good. And can good. you introduce yourself again? Sure. I'm Courtney Sharp. Courtney Sharp. Thank you so much. I, how about we go backwards? So we'll we'll end with why you first came here. But as we were just wrapping up with, uh, are any thoughts with uh, with AJ's story? Because I saw you sure. shaking your head a few <laughs> times and kind of seemed like you were nodding along. Sure. So I transitioned in the 1990s, like 1992 and whatnot. <clears throat> I got my medical care at uh, the University of Texas Medical School in Galveston. And they had a gender clinic that specialized in care. There was no one locally who I felt like really had an understanding of what was going on. And I knew friends that had gone to the clinic. And the doctors had a in-depth knowledge of what was going on. In Galveston, huh? Wow, yes. UTMB. Who would have thought, huh? <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> so it was, <clears throat> it was very difficult then to... <clears throat> To find understanding care locally, 
And, uh, of course, I, I had to travel five or six hours to the clinic to sure. get care. So things have changed drastically. Mm -hmm. I can see the drastic change. The mm -hmm. hospitals, the local doctors are are at the, they are over the cusp where sure. they're really interested in providing better care to the trans community now. And uh, it's just going to take a little bit more time to to build up the volume of doctors that that are in the network and mm -hmm. that we can extend to. But there's no reason that anyone today can't find local care. Mm. It, it's present <clears throat> if you look yeah, and you reach out yeah, and you network. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and uh, what about the the comment that I had thought that is it easier, you know, when AJ and I were talking about kind of trans male is care, do you think there's a difference between care between trans men and trans women just even based on, on gender? So I would say that it's a societal uh -huh. thing more than a, a medical thing mm -hmm. that <clears throat> as a trans woman you can you, you can experience the difference in privileges between male privilege and female privilege in the way they respond to you and your voice and whatnot but on a one-in-one -on -one setting with a, a medical care provider that that hasn't existed with me to where I felt like I was being diminished because of who I was sure but it's definitely in society. Yeah, yeah. And and someone who transitions from well both ways. Right. So <clears throat> so a uh, a trans woman whose transition is going to experience it, and their eyes are going to be open to the differences in the way they're treated, and in <clears throat> in the the trans men are very vocal about wow. <laughs> I didn't know it was like this. <laughs> yeah, it's like you get a, a special card or something. You right. just right. swipe that thing and people laugh at your jokes. <laughs> take you more seriously. You walk into a meeting and you get your listen right. to yeah, you and, and, then, and you get your card revoked. You, exactly. you no longer have yeah. to. Exactly. It's like why would somebody do this? They're giving up their privilege. None, none of your jokes are funny anymore. <laughs> Um, well, let me also say transitioning in 1992 in the deep South, that, that's, uh, that's some courage, uh, that mm. is beyond belief. Yeah. So we had, uh, and I had friends then that helped me uh -huh. and some trans friends that led the way and kind of educated me, told me what was kind of, you need that friend to companion with you and to walk with you. And to just be there as a voice to listen to you as you're going through this and so that you can be honest with them, honest with yourself. And that's uh, pretty much an imperative if you're going to come out of this as a healthy person. Right. That, <clears throat> that psychologically you're going to be integrated, well integrated and not split off. So it's, to me it was very important to be honest about what was going on. Right. Right. Yeah, I think we're seeing so much more of that now. Yeah. Because, you know, I think I I stayed in the closet for a very long time and just identifying as a lesbian because I, I, I don't know. I didn't have, I'm not saying 
that my friends at the time maybe wouldn't have been there. It's just no one in our circle really, there were a couple people that I knew peripherally who had started to transition, but we just didn't have the community that we have today. And this right. was like roughly 2007. Right. Um, so from, you know, 2007 to 2013 is when I started medically transitioning. So for that time, I really um, wanted to come out and wanted to start taking the steps necessary, but I just didn't have the, I just didn't have the support then. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the, the other thing is I, I think that you, you told a, a great story or an antidote that I think was meant to kind of really highlight how far we've come. And I think it, it worked. And that was when you said that when the nurse went to go remove the catheter and you gave her the warning mm-hmm. and you, you felt that she was very comfortable with the whole situation. She was like, yeah, of yeah. course. It's, yeah. yeah, it's good. I'm, I'm good. Yep. Yeah. Whereas, you know. Yeah. Whereas before, yeah. you know, if people had been like, whoa, you know, or whatever. Well, when, I, when I, I've told the story before when I first moved here and I, I was pursuing getting top surgery and I wanted to know if my insurance would cover it, which of course the answer was no. Right. Um, but when I ca- called the insurance company to ask what services they covered under trans healthcare, I had to explain to the woman on the phone what transgender meant. Right. Jesus. And, and then it was just, um, her reply was, yeah, no, we don't do any of that. So, and that was just five years ago. So it was an actually, yeah, yeah. Not even five years right. ago. Yeah. Right. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, things definitely, definitely have changed. So good, good, good. All right. So now let's get to, uh, uh why we're here. If you want to jump back on Bobby and you guys can share a microphone, sure. the two of you. So, um, We'll do another kind of quick round of plugs uh, again, uh, and uh, Bobby, maybe explain again what, uh, what what's going on tomorrow and what sure. an important event is. So tomorrow um, at 6 p.m. at the Presbyter, we are doing a, an LGBT plus panel discussion called Celebration and Change in LGBT plus New Orleans, which is all about LGBT leaders and legends such as... Courtney Sharp, who I'm sitting right here with, are going to talk a lot about how our celebrated queer traditions, such as gay Mardi Gras, Southern Decadence, paired with um, serious social action and serious political action, help change attitudes and and policies towards queer folk in New Orleans. Um, And Courtney is one of the panelists on on the discussion because of Courtney's legendary uh, work that she did in the late 1990s helping to uh, pass anti-discrimination legislation and secure it um, to protect trans folk in New Orleans. Were you part of the Human Rights Commission? or? So I, had, <clears throat> I worked with the Human Rights Commission uh-huh. <clears throat> and had uh, <clears throat> they had passed an ordinance uh, a few months before expen- extending the hate crimes ordinance, and they called it the intimidation ordinance for sexual orientation. And <clears throat> I wrote to them and asked them why they didn't include gender identity in it. And at the time, I was on Mark Morial's advisory committee for LGBT issues. <clears throat> so that went to the Human Relations Commission, and they looked at it and had a really good argument because the city charter had included it because of some of the work we did in 1995. So the Home Rule Charter laid the foundation for us to extend the ordinance in 1998. So that started it. Then there was a discussion, a large discussion with the Human Relations Commission, 
most of them were very supportive. We did have uh, at least one major resistance. One person resigned from the committee because they couldn't see how trans people could be extended that kind of right. She just religiously, she was opposed to it, so she resigned. But from then, it was a matter of educating everyone because they didn't know what was going on. And then getting to the point where we drafted the the language. And then we ran into a couple of issues with dress code. We did not, amazingly, run into an issue with the restrooms and the bathrooms. <clears throat> so we're in New Orleans, and Mardi Gras is in people's minds. <clears throat> and they have pictures of uh, what goes on in the French Quarter at Mardi Gras with uh, people in drag and whatnot. <clears throat> And they came back, and for some reason, I don't know why it was resurrected, but all of a sudden we had this big discussion in the drafting committee that it was that we needed a dress code language in the ordinance to make sure that no trans people would think that they could go to work in this the drag costumes right now that would be similar to today taking the African-Americans and saying, oh, we saw you as, a, as an Indian. You right. were dressed up as an Indian, and we're going to make sure that you can't dress in an Indian garb <laughs> to go to work. Right. <clears throat> so we're the only, I think even to today, we're the only city that has the ordinance for this extensive language about stereotypical dress codes in the workplace. Right. And then did you find that the uh um that the extension of of what that work was done in the in the mid to late 90s and how uh the most recent extension of that homeroom charter uh added some teeth uh just very yes. recently that some of the work <laughs> that Vincenzo good. Pasquantonio uh was doing. We have uh, about 2 minutes left. So any last comments about that cuz I thought that was some, that was amazing that that was able to pass. Sure. And, so that gives some teeth to the human Relations Commission, which is now, I guess they changed the name of it, but right, I think it's so the Human they, Rights Commission, I think, or? right. So right. they could actually have some, some, some jurisdiction and some rights to have hearings and whatnot, and right? Possibly to find the employers and whatnot, right? Anybody who was uh, engaging in any sort of behavior in which they were not treating folks right. uh, equally, especially based on gender or uh, uh, sexual orientation. Yes, major step forward. Yes, AJ, quick plug. Next Thursday, Thursday the nineteenth, Corey Beloved at the Always Lounge, and wh- where 10 can, p.m. Where can people find you? Uh, it's best to just go to Bella's. Okay, where, where can they find Bella? At Bella Blue Nola. At Bella Blue Nola. On the Instagram. Mm-hmm. On the Instagram, awesome. Yeah. Bobby? Uh, tomorrow at the Presbyter, 6 p.m., Celebration and Change in LGBT Plus New Orleans, a free uh, gay history and queer history panel discussion, uh, open to all, open to the public. Great. And Miss Courtney? Yes. Anything? Yes. Okay. All right. Miss Courtney. Yes. <laughs> um, so please join us tomorrow evening. <clears throat> yeah. We'll have a good panel discussion. And thank you. And thank you so much for all the amazing work that you've done over time. Thank you. Yeah. Thank You're, you. You are a real hero. 
and a progressive of unbelievable uh, uh, fortitude and foresight that that uh, you would do what you did in, in 1992 in the Deep South. That's just really amazing. Anyway, health, uh, not health is even right. This was health is even right. We'll see you next month. Bobby, you're always welcome to join us. Miss Courtney, so are you. And uh, we'll be coming up next in 30 seconds with, um, I can't remember the name of my show. That's up next. Resistance Radio. It's Resistance Radio. We'll be right back.